Hi, my name is Tony DeBono, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dumbledore. Wait, what's that? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 296 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dalamore, and I am joined by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, my beautiful co-host, Brittany Page. Hello, sir. Sir, yeah. I like this. Yes. Starting off on a good foot. <laughs> Fucking respectful. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it's not going to last. It never does. No. So listen, I got to we're going to jump right into this. Yeah, everyone should be really excited. No, no. It's just I think I find it a little odd. Uh-huh. Yesterday, Brittany and I took a lift mm-hmm. because we don't use Uber. For a litany of reasons, we don't use Uber. And we were going to have some drinks. And we were going to be drinking. So we took a lift down to a local watering hole mm-hmm. nearby. Yeah. And uh, we get in the lift and the guy's driving us there. And I, the, the music, again, it's the fucking music. Yeah. The, I, I had to break out the recorder and start. I'm going to play you a little snippet of what I was hearing in the car. And then I'm going to play you the actual audio. Right? You remember this? Mm-hmm. So, I get, the, I just get the feeling this is a Christian song. You, you had the feeling. I don't know why. See, I didn't have that feeling because again, it's, it's. Oh, I didn't, I didn't pull up the lyrics. I'll have to do that while you're talking. While you're stalling for time, I'll have to look up the lyrics. But I, it was. I, I can't, I can't live without your love. I can't, I can't, I'm lost, all this shit. It's like, oh, I could, this could be like a love song to a, to a human lover. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I just got the vibe that it was Christian. Okay. So then we talked about it. We got home that night, that night meaning last night. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up on YouTube and then we, I cast it to, Chromecast it to the TV. And sure enough, not only is it a Christian song, it's the exact same artist as the one we covered last time yeah holland i think is her name can't Mm -hmm. live without your love listen to the reason i'm bringing this up again is because i'm once again very flummoxed by why christian music is towing the line so delicately between is it christian is it not when i grew up it was jesus all the way yeah it wasn't baby baby i love you like mm-hmm. a south park episode making fun of christian music yeah it's very ambiguous it could be about banging your boyfriend yeah. or jesus and it shouldn't be that way it's a little strange here's here's the actual song california driving had to get out <laughs> distance got me wondering where you are right now all right, we're going to pause it there. So California driving oh my God. Are got we me gonna something. Do this? Well, no, just listen to 
And then now you made me lose the rest of what the fuck she was saying. I have it here. Oh, okay. I didn't know we were going to go sentence by sentence. We're not going to, but it's. I want to illustrate how fucking ridiculous this is. California driving had to get out. Had, I got to get out, you know. Mama, my thoughts are erasing. Distance got me wondering where you are right now. Yeah, and I think the next line something about one-way conversations. Yeah, got her worn out. Yeah. Welcome to any religion on the face of the earth that you're having a one-way conversation. Yeah. Lady. One-way conversations got me worn down. Pouring out my heart with you and speak a sound. I don't know what I'm after. Even waking up. Yeah. Nothing's ever gonna be enough, Brittany. So once again, this is the main problem I have with Christian music in general. I mean, we went to a party. Let me turn this off. We went to a party one time at a friend's house, mm-hmm. and the subject of Amazing Grace came up. Yeah, this has happened a couple of times. Well, that that Amazing song... Grace, a real hot topic at parties. <laughs> well, when you attend parties with Jesse D, apparently it is a hot topic because I emptied the table at which we were sitting Yeah, in about five seconds flat. Awkward for everybody. But it, that is a bothersome me. thing. It's I am worthless. I am lost. I am a fucking wretch without this individual with whom I have one-way conversations Admittedly, the Christian artist is saying it's a one-way conversation. Mm-hmm. That's humans have worth without the aid and assistance of a deity. And th- look, I'm not shitting on if you believe in a god. That's great for you. I-, I hope that it works out for you as long as you're not stepping on the rights and liberties and and humanity of other people. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird. It's a weird thought. And also. If you're going to commit yourself to a profession of Christian music, well, let's let's have it be a little bit more obviously Christian. I think you're getting away. Well, that that's the main point. So you were getting yeah. away from the main point with I, your I random Amazing Grace. You're just I, so pissed about that all the time. I bring it back around. And I thought this was like Kiss FM or something or Amp Radio. You know, one of those. Wow, what is it? Yeah, I don't know why I did that. Sunday, Sunday, Uh, Sunday. (laughs) Um, One of those. Jesse Dallimore, available for all your voiceover needs. (laughs) One of those popular music um, stations where they play the the hits of today or what? I don't know. Wow. I obviously don't spend a lot of time listening to those stations. (laughs) Um, The hits of today. Yeah. So (laughs) I thought it was just a, a song about her lover and. Right. A, well, horrible, the next song, a horrible song from today. The next song, which was happened right when we were getting out of the car, so I didn't have time to, to record it, but it was a little bit more what I... Oh, clearly Jesus. Yeah, way more with that airy kind of... You know, it was the, clearly a Jesus song. Yeah, for sure. So I wonder what the impulse is to 
play this Christian music and inflict it on your Lyft passengers. Oh, that's something I didn't even think about. I was so enamored and freaked out by the whole situation of is this a Christian song? I didn't even think, hey, dude, why are you playing Christian music in the back of the Lyft? Yeah. For inflicting it upon my ears. Although I much prefer it to the the screamo that I have had in Lyft cars. Or techno. Or techno or like... I don't know. Anything that's way too loud for me, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Just listen, if you have a specialty type of music that's not super, super mainstream, don't play it in the lift. When I get in it, yeah. that's enough. Well, also, you put your favorite music on your profile, on your lift profile. So Oh, you do? Yeah. If if it says seventies funk. I'd like that playing when I get in the car, please. <laughs> Where is the gap band? Yeah. What is happening right now? This could turn... Listen, this is... Now you're taking it in a different direction. You hear me bitching at you other than what I'm doing right now? I do hear you bitching at me. <laughs> Correct. Yes. So anyway, another instance. Holland, apparently she's the the new hot thing yeah. in Christian music. I'm sure the listeners are so excited because we did get tweets last time that the song was stuck in their head... They were not happy about it. Oh, really? So now this one is going to be stuck in their head, I'm sure. It's very catchy. It is a catchy little tune. It's a tune. catchy tune. California we don't need to hear it again. No, it's catchy where you start doing the woo. I don't know what you're talking about. It'll just come out of you naturally when the part comes. We have to hear it Turn it out just a little bit. Uh-oh. I don't know what I'm after. We get it. All right, fun's over. Yeah, Brittany fun says is over. fun's over. Back to business. All right, so let's get to some voicemails and some emails. One email that Brittany and I actually didn't talk about before the show, I, I definitely want to get to, is the airline person who hates my guts and thinks I'm a dick face. I definitely want to get to that email. Okay. Should we do it first? If I can find it. <laughs> All right, we're going to do that first. So. We talked about the United, the flap with United, and actually this will give me a chance to found it to, to to talk about the American Airline thing that just happened the other day as well. Yeah, where apparently a flight attendant jostled a stroller in in a. I'm trying to be very very metered here in how I explain it. Because we didn't we don't have video footage That's of actually right. so what happened. Apparently it, it was in a way that scared the mother that either she was going to be hit by the stroller mm-hmm. or her child was going to be hit by the stroller. And she was hysterically crying. And she was hysterically crying. Mm-hmm. And there was a man on the plane who was taking up for the woman. Right. Wanted the guy's name. And wanted the wanted the the, the flight attendant's name. Right. And then he got a little out of hand. Well, the flight attendant who ripped the stroller from the mom or whatever came back on the flights and the angry guy gets out of his seat. He's like, hey, you want to try that with me? I'll (laughs) knock you flat, mister, or something. Yeah. And then the flight attendant starts saying, hit me, hit me. Yeah, Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So anyway. Just insane. So anyway, this this brings up this whole entire issue again. And and we received an email the last time I talked about the United deal where Dr. Dow had his two front teeth fucking knocked out and his nose broken and ended up in the hospital with a concussion because of overbooking after he had already been sat. Now, that's quite a synopsis, but that's what happened. So, Minor inconvenience. We received an email of someone who was really, really happy 
with how I talked about it. Ryan G says, while I sympathize with your intent, Jesse has been pretty wrong two shows in a row regarding the legalities of aviation law. Welcome to I Data with Dollar. <laughs> and how that affects passengers' rights in regard to the infamous United flight. The flight crew has pretty much unilateral legal power over all happenings on a registered aircraft. They can eject anyone for any reason at any time. You can't extrapolate the rights you have off of the plane in a non-airport scenario to an airport, particularly post 9-11, with the establishment of DHS and the TSA. Disobeying the flight crew by itself is a federal felony. I think a prosecutor is unlikely to bring a case of disobeying a flight crew and resisting arrest, but technically both of those charges could be brought against the ejected passenger who resisted. While you may think that it is wrong for the airline to kick off a paying customer for no reason, that is within their rights. Sometimes the real world is not the Jesse D world, where there is injustice and people have more rights. Otherwise, I love the show, just irked me a little to see the inaccurate armchair lawyering in regards to an industry I grew up around. Thanks. All right, Ryan. Well, here's the deal. And this goes for the rest of the audience. If you come here for legal advice, you're barking up the wrong fucking tree because that's not what I provide here. Oh, really? I provide commentary on the news and about policy and politics and pop culture events around us. I However, would like to I, hang on. I, I never I never claimed that they did something legally wrong. What I claimed is that whether or not they have the power, they should not have that power. It's not a matter of legality. It's a matter of should this be the case? Should they be able to say, we know you're paid for your flight. But we've got some employees who need to get somewhere, so get the fuck up out of your seat and get out of here. I'm talking about should have, not could have. Yeah, well, I would like to say I don't know. I don't remember what was said because I don't listen to the show. <laughs> but I, I do remember you saying something, and I said that I think that in the contract, when they buy their tickets, yeah, yeah, it gives yeah. them permission. I, I I said something to that effect, so I would just like to say to Ryan, excuse me, I tried to rein him in, and I would like some credit for that. <laughs> How dare you? you? How dare you, Brittany Page, trying to rein me in? Yeah. I don't need reined in. Sometimes you need a little reason injected into you. Ah, that sounded a little creepy. I don't need anything injected into me. Okay. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. So that's where I was coming from. I'm not armchair lawyering anything. Mm. I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on the show. Yeah. I'm talking about basic justice, basic rights. And just because they can't, I'm not going to go over it again. Anyway, thanks for the email. Look, I don't mind getting called out. I hope that he, I hope Ryan didn't think, oh, they're not going to read my email because I called him out. We read, we read all of the emails. So here's another thing I would like to say. We read all the emails, even if we don't read them on the show. And even if we don't respond to them, which we never respond to emails in email. We just don't have time. Yeah. So along those lines, Brett and Allison, Brett number two, wrote to us and we never wrote them back. And they told us that they had a baby. Well, Coke, I was going to wait. Now, you blew it. You blew it. 
What were you going to wait for? It's well, been like a month. No, well, there's a thing called like uh, email forgiveness day on like the 30th. Oh. Where if you haven't responded and you feel bad, that's the day to clear that debt free, free of charge. Uh-huh. No guilt. You just, hey, we didn't do it. But go ahead. Now that we've went out, we're here. Okay. So they sent us pictures. We, I seriously have talked to Jesse about it maybe five different we're times. Talking how early adopters of the show. How excited I am for Brett and Allison. How cute the baby is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just awesome. Awesome. But we never responded because we're dicks and we're so sorry. But we are so happy for you guys. Thank you for the update. We are so thankful for you guys and we're so happy for you. Yes. So I just wanted to say that. I had a question, actually. I'll pose it now. And that was how their dogs... This is so boring for the rest of the audience, but we'll do it real quick. How do your dogs... How do they take to the to the, to the the kid? Yeah. Because a lot of time dogs are like, ah, fuck this. I'm jealous now. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. Thanks, you guys. We love you, especially our early adopters. That's good From times. like the beginning. Yeah, very big. When, when they had no obligation. Yeah. It's like when we first started, it was like six people... Who were my family? Who just felt like, oh fuck, I'm guilted into doing this. They were they were around from then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, Ryan, thanks for the email. I appreciate being bitched at. That's great. Brett and Allison, we love you. We appreciate you, and thank you for the email that we didn't read on the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next topic, which we received a lot of communication about. But here's a couple of voicemails about it. And that is female genital mutilation. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. Um, this is Bet in Buffalo. Um, I just wanted to comment on the um, doctor that you guys did the asshole of the day with the other week. Um, I completely agree. Like, what the fuck? And um, as a woman who can only have clitoral orgasms nice um (laughs) seriously like what the fuck and she was a woman doctor doing this Mm -hmm. i i i can't i can't even comprehend that i i just it baffles me and the fact that these poor girls mothers were taking them to have this done is just also flabbergasting because I have a seven-year-old daughter and I would, I, I, I could never even think of doing something like this to her. I don't even like watching her get shots. It breaks my heart. And those are good for her. I, you know, like you, you never want to see your child in pain. So, um, thank you guys for bringing that to light because that fucking horrendous physician definitely is the asshole of every day. Like, fuck her. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, I just uh, wanted to spout off about that. So, um, but thanks, guys, for the show. And I really appreciate everything the two of you are doing. Um, you know, I am a Democrat slash liberal in New York State, and I don't know what's going on in this country anymore. Both of my parents um, served in the military. They they were both in the army, and I thank them for everything they did every day. And uh, you know, hopefully, we can uh, get this train back on track. So, um, thanks again, guys. Yes. 
that is exactly how I felt (laughs) when I read the story. Although I've been following this issue for several years. I don't know when I when I first heard about it, but um, I think for a long time there was kind of this effort to not talk about it. Female genital mutilation, like even saying it was kind of controversial. Right. But I think it's more controversial that this is happening to people and that it has happened to people and that people are afraid to talk about it or speak out against it. Sure, yeah. Because they're afraid to offend, right? Some people take the position that it's a cultural thing and, right, who are we to judge? Well, I'll tell you who we are. Human beings who care about other human beings. Right, and we actually got more message yeah. we got an email about this too from john okay let's let's get to the other let's read the email go ahead and he actually sent us a link to that um this american life episode that i was oh, talking good. about we'll put that in the show notes and it's episode 586 if you guys want to go listen to it and he says that um, listening to the episode to state it was an uncomfortable episode flies in the face of all things great about humanity. I have two daughters and one wife. I could not shake the thought of anyone doing this to their child. We as parents are charged with protect- protecting our children at all costs. This episode brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, it's a good one for sure. All right. Well, there is an update in the story and we'll get to that after Chad's voicemail. Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, Brittany. This is Chad calling from uh, Virginia. I just listened to episode 294 and the whole thing about the genital mutilation for this archaic ass practice really pisses me off. I mean, it's just so fucking infuriating that these parents do this dumb shit based on this fucking superstition. It really grinds my goddamn gears, man. I absolutely hate it. I can't see why any parent would do this to their child. And I think that those mothers that did that to those those little girls, they need to be charged too. And if the fathers think that same way, lock their dumb asses the fuck up too because it's just re-fucking-tarded. I can't stand it. I hate to even hear about that shit. And I have four little girls of my own. So this really fucking infuriates me that somebody would do that to their little child who looks up to them and idolizes them. And they would hurt them like this over some dumb, archaic-ass practices. Fucking pisses me off. But uh, anyway, uh, love the show. I see my little brother Sean called a couple weeks ago. I turned him on to the podcast. I really love y'all. Keep doing the work you do about pushing the conversation forward. Bye. Keeping in the family. That's what we like. So there is an update on the story. Uh, but before we do, I wonder, I had this thought. I wonder if one of the reasons why this doesn't get talked about is because white America, it's one of those deals where, you know, when Darfur happened and all the different tragedies that happened in Africa, because this is, this is a Middle Eastern thing, but it's also a Northern Africa practice. And not all in Muslim cultures, too. It, it has permeated other religious um, communities. And I wonder if this was happening in 
to white people, if little white girls were being generally mutilated if America would pay a little bit more attention. Mm-hmm. But it's brown people, so eh, it's easy to turn a turn a blind eye to. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I wonder what the audience thinks, but it, it's certainly a question that I think would be useful to have answered. Yeah. Because if it was in a different light, this might be getting all kinds of press. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes people wonder, well, what can I really do, right? Is talking about it really doing anything? And I think actually awareness for this issue goes a long way because people may not be aware that it's happening, how common it is, where it's happening. Um, This story with the Michigan doctor, there's developments now. The doctor that owned the clinic where she was operating has also been arrested now. And his wife. And his wife. Yeah. So this is in Michigan. Detroit, Michigan, that this is happening to girls as young as six years old. Middle America. Middle America. So I don't know. Is that enough to make people start paying attention? I'm not sure. It's atrocious. It's horrendous to say the least. And I I really hope that the mainstream media, larger outlets, pick this up despite the sensitivity surrounding the issue that it is a religious practice. Doesn't matter. It is a crime. It's a crime against humanity, as far as I'm concerned. Not just these individual girls. Well, it's a violation of of human rights, without a doubt. It's disgusting. These these girls don't have a choice in this matter. They don't understand what's happening to them. They don't understand the lifelong consequence that this will have. And that's beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful point that that podcast makes, even though it's very depressing to listen to on This American Life, because she talks about trying to have sex for the first time. And she had been with her boyfriend for a year, I think. And it was so painful. She couldn't she couldn't do it. And she said she broke down crying after that happened because she thought that she was going to be alone for the rest of her life. Because if she can't have sex, then she can't have this really important part of intimacy and having a relationship with someone. So this is something that affects people in numerous different ways. And women, not just people, affects women. No, absolutely. Because it's a relationship thing. It's a man and a woman. A relationship between two people. Mm-hmm. It's, anyway, it's tragic. Anyway, let's, let's, we'll move on. We do have some follow-up on the Bill O'Reilly story. And uh, he's out. We talked about that last time. And now more people are coming out talking about the culture inside of Fox News. Allison Camerata was a longtime anchor for Fox News. And she, about three years ago or so, left for CNN. And she mentioned on the air the other day, kind of in passing, that there is harassment on the air or in company at Fox News. But she was never harassed by Bill O'Reilly. Well, Brian Stelter from Reliable Sources got her on and said, listen, you said not by Bill O'Reilly had you been sexually harassed, but maybe someone else. And she came out and said yes. It feels as though if I take the Murdochs at their word, they really want to know what was wrong there and what the culture was like. And I don't know how you get that from silence. So it feels like this might be the right time to just have this conversation and let some daylight in. And you said on the air, Bill O'Reilly never harassed you. 
But you didn't say that about Roger Ailes. Did, did Roger Ailes ever sexually harass you? Uh, yes. Roger Ailes did sexually harass me. Let me, let me be clear. Roger Ailes was, could be charming. He could be quite charismatic. He could be uproariously funny. He could also be um, a bit of a bully and mean. Um, and he also was often kind of grossly inappropriate with things that he would say. And I think that many of us experienced that. He would talk about body parts. He would say, give me a spin. He would want to be greeted with a hug. But, but the time that I remember most was when I was first starting out at Fox and I was um, single. And I remember Roger being in Roger's office and I was saying that I wanted more opportunity. And he said, well, I would have to work with you. And work I, with you? I would have to work with you on that case. I would have to work with you really closely. And it may require us getting to know each other better. And that might have to happen away from here. And it might have to happen at a hotel. Do you know what I'm saying? And I said, yeah, I think I, I do know what you're saying. And I just want to say that I knew in my head at that moment, I'm never going to that hotel under any circumstances. But I didn't know what that meant for me and for my career. And I remember vividly that I had sort of an out-of-body experience hovering over us in the office and thinking, is this it? Is this the end of my time here? Will I be fired if I don't do this? And I just want everybody to understand that when it happens, there is a visceral reaction that you have where you recognize my career and everything that I've worked for is under threat, and I don't know what's going to happen next. And you end up then doing what? Well, I just went home, and I didn't tell anybody um, at the time because I was embarrassed, and it is sort of humiliating. Embarrassed? It's embarrassing when, you know, when this man that you've gone to tell about your strengths and to sort of see if you, he thinks that you're doing a good job at work, you know, makes that sort of proposition. Hmm. It is demeaning and it is humiliating. And so I was sort of embarrassed to tell people. And I, de I decided personally, and everybody deals with it differently, um, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to pretend that never happened. He then changed his M.O., oh. and when I say that there was that I experienced harassment there, it was different. And for me, it was no longer sexual harassment. It was harassment of a different variety. What do you mean? It was sort of emotional har harassment. Roger Ailes ruled with an iron fist, and he wanted us all to fall in line and have his worldview and say the things that he wanted us to say on Fox News. And... He targeted me because he sort of figured out early on that I didn't share his worldview. And he said, you're not saying the conservative things that I want you to say. And you could be a real role model and you could be a real star if only you could sound conservative sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, well, Roger, that's not my job. I'm not supposed to sound conservative or liberal. I am supposed to be a fair and balanced, in your terms, journalist. Well, I, I love Allison Camerata, and this makes me love her more because she talked about this with such strength. Yeah. Um, just very factually speaking, right? This happened to me. This is how I felt. And I thought it was a really great 
reflection on on what happened. I'm glad she's no longer in that situation and in a better work environment. And how frustrating it is for all of these women. I can't imagine. Who had to work in this environment. And I... You're working in fear. Yeah. Am I... Am I going to get fired for not going to this fucking piece of shit's hotel room? Right. I mean, that's, that's, it's not fair. Right. And wondering if your job is safe. Yeah. Wondering, should I tell anybody? Am I, can I tell anyone? Right. Feeling embarrassed. Yeah. I know that feeling. And I I had a boss long ago um, who did something similar, was calling me drunk at times and inviting me over to his house a lot of drunk dials and he i was just a teller at a bank and he was very high up in the bank very very high up in the bank i don't want to say the name of the bank because i'm don't preempt like i'm getting ready to drop the name okay and (laughs) i would damn i would always just say oh hello um no i hope you have a safe night or something like that And it was really awkward to go back to work and know that he was like propositioning me. And is he mad that I didn't go? Is, you know, what's going to happen? And then embarrassed to tell people at work about it because they had suspicions like, oh, I can tell the way that he's looking at you that something's going on. It's like there's nothing going on. Um, There's those implications, too. Right. That maybe you are doing something with that person that people they naturally think that way right yeah and so it just puts you in a terrible shitty situation sure and these are countless stories now coming out of fox news well it's i think it's only gonna get worse and it makes you wonder what's going on with the women who are still there yeah you mean like uh, what about the majority? Okay, the majority yes. of protecting the minority. Yes, Ainsley Earhart is a perfect example right. because she's someone who continues to rise, continues to get um, more what, prominent positions. And there, it, it, we're it's guaranteed she hasn't been propositioned earlier on in by management. It seems like everybody has had their bout of this, right? Especially if you are a notable figure on Fox News, yeah, and she is. And I'm not saying that Ainsley Earnhardt did anything, right, to get to her position. I'm saying she for sure has had been propositioned by somebody, right, and she may have declined it. But w- why is she not speaking out now? Now, especially that everything's coming out and say, yeah, the culture here needs to change. I'm a leader. Here at Fox News. Right. Because now you'd think that they would have more power to do that. Right. That there would be less fear for their job because the Murdochs would be receptive at this point. Yeah. Well, it right? seems like they are. Yeah. Even though that decision about Bill O'Reilly was a monetary one. the Most certainly monetary. They may be more open. Well, to... it was monetary, but they might, they might, they may not have been in the position to make the decision right. before. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to throw them under the bus altogether. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason still garners the right effect. For sure. For yeah, sure. So, so that's the update. Well, I think, listen, the next coming weeks and months, we're going to see a lot more come to light. And we will be following it. Support for I Doubt It With Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time.
If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We don't have any new names to read. What? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) I can tell you how I feel about it. Not good. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't have any new Patreon or PayPal subscribers this this episode to talk about, which is the first time in many, many episodes. Yes. Thank you, guys. We still do. Listen, we're at the end of the month here, folks. We have uh, fewer than seven days before the end of the month, and there are still a lot of of uh, supporters. God damn. Get it out. Who have not switched their pledges from from ep- per episode to per month. So if you're one of them, please go in there within the next seven days or ASAP <laughs> and do that for us. Uh, we would appreciate it very, very much. And if you have been waiting, don't worry. Anytime before the end of the month, you can get in your donation for the month of April. So that's good. Also... Guess what? Mother's Day is coming up. What a lovely time to get your mom a delicious Amazon treat for Mother's Day. Yeah. Don't forget to shop through the dollamore.com Amazon link when making your purchases on Amazon. You can just go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. Right. And it's nothing more from out of your pocket. We just get a little something from Amazon. Like a commission. Yes. The other thing is we we forgot to mention this last time. Uh, we got new stickers. We did. So finally. those those are going out. If you're waiting on your your I doubt it with dollar more stickers, they are on the way. We'll ship those out tomorrow or today for you, and uh, be looking for those in the mail. It's awesome. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, let's start with something a little bit, I don't want to say it's super serious, but it really just does explain the tone and tenor of this particular White House. And that is that a photograph, well, first of all, uh, Sarah Palin and goddamn Kid Rock and uh, who's that other jackass? Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent all visited the White House. Cat scratch fever, everybody. There was a photo op of... Of them with Trump sitting at the desk. You know, the standard Trump photo op where he's sitting and everybody else is standing around him. And afterward, apparently, they were roaming the halls of the White House and they took a picture in front of the portrait of former First Lady of the United States, Hillary Clinton, and they were being just obviously disrespectful. And it really does speak to this White House. They shouldn't be allowing guests, official guests of the White House, to be disrespectful of our history. You can dis- disagree with their politics, but you're not going to come into the House, the White House of the President, and disrespect former occupants. It's disgusting. And Paul Begala was on CNN, and he actually had some both funny and I think very poignant things to say about it. The Clintons came under a lot of criticism for the way they were treated the White House. I mean, had Steven Spielberg over there, for example, and he stayed in the Lincoln bedroom. He made a film about Lincoln later. But I, this picture, can we put it back up? There they are. It's a white trash Mount Rushmore. I love it. <laughs> Look at them. That's just perfect. I, I will say, one, one thing I admire about Governor Palin, honestly, is that she has spoken out when she has been the target of really vicious sexism from the left. And, and good for her. And she has defended her children when they've been attacked, which is unfair. And she herself has been. 
So it's kind of unfortunate that she's buddying up with Nugent, who he's a rocker, and he's like, I'm not going to get all gassed up about it. But he has said the most vile things about Hillary you can say. Obviously, words you can't repeat on on CNN. Uh, And I I think I think when those things have been said about Sarah Palin and they have, it was outrageous. Then I wish she had would hold her friends to the same standard. So other than the fact that he called the photo of them in front of the portrait of Hillary Clinton, a white trash Mount Rushmore, which I think is fucking hilarious. <laughs> he's right. But Sarah Palin, where's Sarah Palin? Who has been attacked unjustifiably in sexist ways by members of the left. Why is she not standing and, and not allowing this to happen to Hillary Clinton in kind, even though it happened to her? I mean, it's just, it's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. It's fucking lame. Mm-hmm. And again, Donald Trump allowing this shit to happen. Yeah. And or, even if he didn't allow it, he should come out and say something after the fact. Does he have nothing better to do than have Kid Rock and Ted Nugent come hang out with him? No, there's no crisis anywhere in the in the world, Brittany. Aren't there important matters to be dealing with other than hanging out with Ted Nugent? Again, someone who's openly racist. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and sings cat scratch fever. What does that mean? It's not about a cat. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And Kid Rock, please. Well, listen, Trump is busy gallivanting with world leaders, getting 10 minute lectures and changing his entire worldview based on those talks, which leads me to the next story, which is South Korea and South Koreans are very upset right now because of what Donald Trump said following his meeting with the Chinese president, in which he said after he got the 10-minute talk from President Xi that he he learned that even Korea used to be part of China. Well, that's not true. Listen, it is... I'm trying not to go crazy here, uh-huh. Brittany Page. Good. Donald Trump, he he's just a fucking dumb guy. <laughs> we'll just say that. He is just a colossally ignorant man. And it's causing us problems as a country through international dust-ups. Christy, recent comments by U.S. President Donald Trump have attracted significant controversy here in South Korea. He described in an interview with the Wall Street Journal a conversation he had with the Chinese leader Xi Jinping in Florida in which he said, quote, she then went into the history of China and Korea, not North Korea, Korea. And you know, you're talking about thousands of years and many wars. And Korea actually used to be a part of China. Well, that has been rejected by many Koreans we've talked to. The South Korean foreign ministry says it has reached out to both China and the U.S. to try to clarify this, insisting that Korea never was in its history part of China. And here's what some people here on the streets have been telling us as well. It is unreasonable to say that. It is nuts. Nonsense. I was furious to learn the news this morning. He lacks understanding of the Korean Peninsula. I don't know what President Xi actually said, but I think Trump has misunderstood Korean history. 
And Christy, it's election season right now. Here are some campaign posters from some of the candidates for upcoming May 9th presidential elections. And several of them have been weighing in as well, challenging the American president. For the past you know, 5,000 years, we have never been part of China. So I want to uh, tell uh, President Trump that it is not true. The South Korean foreign ministry says it's still waiting for an answer from the U.S. and Chinese governments about this dispute over this country's history. So Donald Trump, who is woefully ignorant about matters of foreign policy, of defense, is also proving himself to be a fucking moron where it relates to just general world history. That Korea as that one presidential candidate for South Korea just said, yeah, for the last 5,000 years. <laughs> Think about that and put that in perspective of the United States' 240-year history. For 5,000 years, yeah, no, uh-uh. We, we haven't been Chinese. Pretty much Korea. Mm-hmm. He's just... He's a buffoon. Well, and and this obviously isn't something he ever needed to be concerned about, right? But now that he is the president, you'd think that he would educate himself and become knowledgeable on the issues that he needs to talk about to the media and to the general public and to other world leaders. Brush up on that stuff that you aren't knowledgeable about because you've never had to know it before. Now you do. Or at the very least... And now we're pivoting away from international relations. At the very least, Donald Trump should understand our own traditions here in this country. Especially now that he's the commander in chief of the entire United States military. He should understand what certain awards are, like the Purple Heart. Recently, he awarded a soldier who is, and you're not going to see the video, He's standing next to a man who has lost a leg in combat this year. He's sitting in a wheelchair. One leg is missing. Donald Trump is standing, getting ready to award him his Purple Heart. Uh, Just listen to the ceremony. It is disgusting. Attention orders. To all who shall see his presence, greeting. This is to certify that the President of the United States of America has awarded the Purple Heart, established by General George Washington at Newburgh, New York, August 7, 1782, to Sergeant First Class Alvaro Barrientos, United States Army, for wounds received in action on the 17th of March, 2017, in Afghanistan. So I heard about this, and I wanted to do it myself. So uh, congratulations on behalf of Melania, myself, and the entire nation. A tremendous, tremendous job. Congratulations. All right, well, the rest of it is just him awkwardly kissing the guy's wife a couple of times, patting the guy on the shoulders, trying to bend down for the photo op. But the alarming thing is the congratulations. Congratulations, guy. You lost one of your legs. 
Congratulations. Your life will never be the same because of your service to your country. Did he thank him? I don't think so. Because he congratulated him on behalf of Melania. Yeah. So that's a that's a good step forward. He's actually mentioning and acknowledging his wife. Yeah. On behalf of Melania, myself, and America, congratulations. It just seems like a thank you for your sacrifice. Thank right. you for your service. On behalf of a grateful nation. Right. This small token, you're being awarded the Purple Heart because of your gallantry, because of your, your selflessness, your service, your sacrifice. Not fucking congratulations. It, it, you're not handing him a big jumbo check because he won the lottery, you fucking idiot. Yeah. It, it's disgusting. It is. His lack of understanding of even the most simple things. He also said tremendous. Congratulations. Tremendous. Uh, seriously, this is the kind of shit that gets my ire up. Gets me fired up about this fucking idiot. Didn't he also say that he always wanted one when yes. a fan gave one to him? Yeah, that's right. A, a former um, Purple Heart recipient gave his to Donald Trump. And he said, I always wanted one of these. Yeah. Th this oh, is an did? easy way to get one. Yeah, and he made a joke. That's, that's right. That's right. That's right. He said this is an easy... <laughs> Much easier way to get oh, one. Oh, my God. It's... He, he's, he's abjectly disrespectful. It, it is disrespectful. Yeah. Well, no, hang on. That is the perfect segue about this administration. God damn, we are knocking it out of the park today, Brittany Page. Mm. Jeff Sessions, in bitching about the federal courts and their role in striking down the Muslim ban time after time after time, against this administration, made some ridiculous remarks about the state of Hawaii and a sitting federal judge there. Here it is. We are confident that the president will prevail on a appeal, and particularly in the Supreme Court, if not the Ninth Circuit. So um, this is a huge matter. Uh, I, I really am amazed that uh, a judge sitting on an island in the Pacific can issue an order that stops the President of the United States from what appears to be clearly his statutory and constitutional powers. By island in the Pacific, he means uh, a state in the United States of America. And a right? sitting federal judge who was appointed by a president of these United States. Hawaii has been a state since 1959. This is effectively like saying, yeah, well, some judge in that shithole town in Montana, what the fuck's he doing? Some judge in some little shithole. No, dickhole. He's a sitting federal judge who happens to preside over a court, which happens to be in the state of Hawaii. Right. Relax, Jeff Sessions. He actually worked as a lawyer for a long time in San Francisco. He right. hasn't been on that island in the Pacific forever. <laughs> Okay. Well, listen, the problem is, is Jeff Sessions, he's not walking it back. He's not backing down from those comments. Sessions refused to back down from his remarks while on the Mexican border tonight. I share with you my concern that we have 700 federal judges in America. I simply made the point that one of them 
not subject to having the advice of General Kelly, the Attorney General, the Secretary of Defense, the CIA Director. One judge has overruled the constitutional authority of the President of the United States uh, to protect America through his executive order. Sessions further explained his comments this way on CNN. I wasn't just criticizing the judge or the island. I think it's a fabulous place and had a granddaughter born there. But the backlash was swift and lawmakers in Hawaii pounced. Senator Maisie Hirono tweeted, Jeff Sessions' comments are ignorant and dangerous. Senator Brian Schatz telling CNN's Wolf Blitzer. We're, we're appalled, we're disgusted, we're not happy. But on the other hand, we really love our state. Donald Trump was the first from his team to lash out at the judiciary, accusing the judge who oversaw the Trump University fraud lawsuit of bias. I've been treated very unfairly by this judge. Now, this judge is of Mexican heritage. I'm building a wall, okay? I'm building a wall. In an ironic twist, that same judge, Gonzalo Curiel, has just been randomly assigned an immigration case involving the Trump administration. Conservative media sites like Breitbart and The Daily Caller have joined in the attacks on the judiciary, accusing judges who have ruled against the administration of playing politics. Trump's senior advisor, Stephen Miller, has said criticizing the judicial branch is perfectly appropriate. It's ludicrous to say that... Congress can criticize the president and the president can criticize Congress and judges can criticize the president, but the president can't criticize judges. But Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal countered on CNN's New Day. This kind of talk about the federal courts is fundamentally disrespectful to the independence of our judiciary. So again, it really does go to show that there's this holier than thou. I'm better. I am more powerful. It isn't a co-equal branch of government. They're subordinate to me. I'm Donald Trump. I'm the president. And also, who in the fuck is Jeff Sessions to malign Hawaii? He's from Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Well, he thinks they have everything figured out there in Alabama. And he looks like the fucking Keebler elf. Put on a suit and went to court. Went to law school. Mm-hmm. Just bake me some cookies and shut the fuck up, Jeff Sessions. Well, Coretta Scott King also wrote a letter accusing him of being a racist. Bake me some racist cookies and shut the fuck up, Jeff Sessions. Is that seems, better? Seems like a more important point to highlight <laughs> than the whole Keebler Elf thing. You mean looks? Not as substantive as, as yeah, the fact really, that he's a racist? It's really not, yeah. <laughs> A little weaker point, weaker point. All right. Yeah. I like low-hanging fruit, Brittany Page. You really do. I really, you love really it. love it. <laughs> low-hanging fruit. All right. Well, l- l- let's wrap with this. Mm-hmm. We are rapidly approaching Donald Trump's 100 days. And his approval rating is higher than ever. Oh, yeah. It actually is probably higher than ever right now. It's actually not. What is it? The president's approval rating stands at 42%, the lowest recorded at this stage of a presidency dating to Dwight Eisenhower. Wow. Trump's 53% disapproval rating is 14 percentage points higher than Bill Clinton's 39% disapproval in April 1993. Hmm. The worst before Trump. Well, let's go through this Donald Trump's contract with the American voter. It says, what follows is my 100-day action plan to make America great again. It is a contract between myself and the American voter and begins with restoring honesty and accountability and bringing change to Washington. On the first day of my term of office, 
my administration will immediately pursue the following. It starts with six measures to clean up the corruption and special interest collusion in Washington, D.C. First, propose a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on all members of Congress. (laughs) Well, Donald Trump, you've got uh, six days to do so, five days to do so. And uh, you have not done that yet. Well, it's a ridiculous standard, this 100 days. That's a failure. It's a ridiculous standard. That's right. That is exactly what he said. It's a critical milestone for any president. But nearly 100 days in office, President Trump complains this is no time to judge his performance. No matter how much I accomplished during the ridiculous standard of the first 100 days, and it has been a lot, including Supreme Court, media will kill. But in the lead-up to the 100-day mark, the president has repeatedly tried to make the case he's putting points on the scoreboard. No administration has accomplished more in the first 90 days. That includes on military, on the border, on trade, on regulation, on law enforcement. But the president has yet to follow through on many of the promises he said he could accomplish in his first 100 days in office, such as health care reform, imposing term limits on members of Congress, and tax reform. During the campaign, the president promised there would be so much winning, the American people would grow There's tired of it. No. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. And you'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. In fact, the president laid out his 100-day agenda at an event just weeks before the November it's election. Up. Just think about what we can accomplish in the first 100 days of a Trump administration. We are going to have the biggest tax cut since Ronald Reagan. On the first day of my term of office, my administration will immediately pursue the following six measures to clean up the corruption and special interest collusion in Washington. Ethics reform will be a crucial part of our 100-day plan as well. We're going to drain the swamp of corruption in Mm. Washington, D.C. So far, much of what the president has done has come through executive orders, not legislation. The White House is taking another stab at repealing and replacing Obamacare, something the White House hopes can actually pass the House before Mr. Trump hits that 100-day milestone next week. The plan gets better and better and better, and it's gotten really, really good. And a lot of people are liking it a lot. We have a good chance of getting it soon. But standing in the way, the prospect of a government shutdown. Congress has until next week to pass a bill to fund the government. One potential obstacle, the White House is still insisting on money for one of the president's biggest promises, a wall on the Mexican border. In the Oval Office, the president didn't sound worried that a shutdown could actually happen as he hits 100 days in office. I think we're in good shape. So here's the deal. Listen, there's a, this is a long list. I'll put this graphic on the Facebook page. But there's a whole bunch of shit here that is just, it flies in the face of his contract with the American voter, he says here. Uh, uh, seven actions to, pr- to protect American workers. The third one, first of all, there's a whole bunch of, I will announce my intention to renegotiate. I will announce our withdrawal from blah, blah, blah. Uh, But this one, I will direct the Secretary of Treasury to label China a currency manipulator. This last week, after meeting with the Chinese president, he said, why would I do that? I'm not going to do that. Well, he spent 10 minutes listening to him and realized things were a little bit more difficult than he originally thought. That's exactly right. So 
the only things that really he's accomplished off this list are withdrawing from the P the TPP, um, trying to to do his Muslim ban, but didn't, so he failed at that actually, and then replacing Scalia. That is right. This the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. which. Was a, Listen, you have both houses of Congress. You've signed more executive actions in your first hundred days than any president in recent memory. And you have both houses of Congress. You should be able to get things done without congressional or with congressional uh, cooperation. You shouldn't be having to do these workaround executive orders. It, it, it doesn't make any sense of what, what he's doing. Under five actions to restore security and the constitutional rule of law, it does say begin removing the more than two million criminal illegal immigrants from this country and cancel visas to foreign countries that won't take them back. He has. They have started started doing that. A very draconian measure, right? To get rid of of immigrants. That mm -hmm. is correct. So we again, like I said, we'll put this on the Facebook page. It really is. It's too long and too giant to. Oh, and there's a, a little space, how cute, at the bottom for your signature. Donald J. Trump, eh, and this is my pledge to you, and you could sign it. Ugh, fucking jerk off. All right. Well, let's let's pull this thing into the station. That's a terrible attempt at wrapping up the show, Brittany Page. It really is. Taking care of biz. So this is planned, even though it's going to sound like it's not planned, like we just didn't do our research. <laughs> but you guys are taking care of biz. The audience. Yeah. And here's why. So I'm I'm finally feeling much better after the living hell that was the weeks leading up to my thesis defense. And so many of you guys reached out to me saying that you were thinking of me, that you were wishing me luck, um, congratulating me on the success of it. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who did that because it made me feel very special. And it was awesome. And your your well wishes were probably the reason I passed. So thank you for that. And <laughs> wow, many people have uh, said that they want to read it. Um, have been messaging me saying they want to read it as well. So I'm trying to figure out how I will go about doing that. I've, I've submitted it to the university thesis readers, so they might be giving me edits, right? My committee approved it, but now it needs to go through the official process. And once it has been evaluated that way, and I know that it's good enough, I will figure out a way to make that happen. And I appreciate those of you who... Lying or not, are saying that you want to read it. So. Yeah, audience taking care of biz. Yes, so we thank you very guys. much. Yes, we that love you. awesome. All right, well, we're going to leave you there. We appreciate you guys. We do have a couple of bonus episodes planned, but I want to put out the call to, if there's anybody you think we, we would have on the show, you could get a hold of them and have them contact us, of course. But you could also uh, let us know, and we could we could do the work to, to reach out to them. Because I want to provide a lot more bonus content this year and sometimes it, it gets a little tough when you get busy in the production of the regular show to do that so help us out we love you guys 657-464-7609 of course you can always email a voice memo or a regular email from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com we will see you guys next time in the meantime why don't you stop over to itunes to give us a little rate and review action 
that would be a tremendous help, as Donald Trump would say, because it helps get us in front of new listeners. You could also tell your brother-in-law, tell your mother-in-law, tell somebody you know. We love you guys. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this is Ben. I doubt it. No one believing in Jesus commits mass murder.